This is Courage Cast, faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Welcome to the Courage Cast. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Yeah. Your manager's here with us, Keith Stansel, and he just gave you a great massage. Yes. Let's talk about that for a minute. I had some kind of, I don't know, back spasm a couple of those this week. It's like I wake up, I like yawn and stretch at the same time, and yes. on the intake of breath, mm-hmm. it's like, like some area like locks up I know. and then won't... <laughs> Won't be mobile. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, just wait till you get into your 40s and 50s. Uh, we can attest. It, it, it doesn't worse. get easier. Yeah, it gets you worse. Just be careful with those stretches yeah. and those moves. Those, no sudden moves. Yeah, I feel like I'm already there. I know, I know. Well, um, Dave, I'm so glad you're here. We've got our coffee. We're sitting here in the studio, and we're talking about the Gray, Haven, Gray Havens, uh, which is your band that you started. When yep. did you start the, the Gray Havens? Uh, let's see. We released our first album in 2013. Mm-hmm. It was like a six song, I guess, EP. We put it out on Noise Trade. Mm-hmm. It was like a exchange for an email kind of a thing. Yeah. So well, the, the way that works is you you put your music out yeah. there. Yeah. You get a free track. You get a free album. Free album. Yeah, we give the whole thing away. Five by sending. You know, getting five emails or how's that work? Well, you you just um submit your email mm-hmm. and you get a download link for the record. And that was kind of Noise Trade's heyday. Yeah. Um, Derek Webb. Derek Webb. And so we put it out, and I don't know, like about 10,000 people just downloaded it, which was wow. crazy. That's uh, crazy. For us at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like our first kind of thing. And then we sent out an email to all those people that had downloaded the record and said, hey, we, we'd love to take this album on tour. Uh-huh. And we'd heard of some friends of ours, Jenny and Tyler, how they tour is they, they did house shows. Yeah. So we'd never been to a house show, but we said, hey, we're going to do this house show tour. You know, uh, who, would anybody be up for having us play in your living room? And I'm like, <laughs> everybody, a lot of people said, sure. You know, 10,000 houses. Yeah, exactly. The 10,000 house tour. So <laughs> yeah, we went out in our our blue Taurus, Ford Taurus named Tina, and we packed it up. and <laughs> Tina the Taurus. Tina, that's right. And uh, yeah, we did our first tour and kind of, Went from wow. there. Yeah. Now, now you're married. This is you and your uh, my wife. wife, Alicia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the band has been in existence just about as long as we got married. I think right after we got engaged. Really, music wasn't a part of our dating. I didn't really. Really? No, I, I, I didn't really. So we went on three or four dates. Uh-huh. Wasn't really working. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, we just, I just. It's just you were just friends. Yeah, let's just be friends, kind yeah. of thing. Uh-huh. But my mom kind of is a way to keep her in the picture was a, at the time, a vocal slash guitar piano instructor. Uh-huh. And so she offered Alicia free, I'm doing like air quotes, yes. like lessons every week. In order to In order to kind of keep her in the picture, uh-huh. I think. Keep her around. So anyway, five months later, we were dating again. And... Uh, you realized she had a beautiful voice. Yeah. Six, so six months after that, even, I hadn't really heard her sing. And she was playing the guitar and singing and... Like my mind was just blown. Like she can sing. Wow. And so, but it really wasn't until after we got engaged that we had considered. She up until that point, I think, 
we knew I was going to try the singer songwriter thing, uh-huh. but I think she, in her mind, and she was thinking she's going to be like the t-shirt girl. Like the merch person? Like, right. Mm-hmm. Like where to she designs you? the t- She's oh, okay. artistic. She's artistic. Okay. Um, and I said, would you be up for singing on the record, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm about to make? And, and, and you weren't still dating or were you married at that point? We were engaged. Okay. Okay. But even still, I mean, we weren't even performing until after we got married. So a week after the honeymoon, I was in Nashville making the the record, and she came down once to put vocals on it, and that was it, man. We just yeah, it just clicked, hit the road, and and so you never put out your own solo record. No, it was Gray Havens from the beginning. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I I done a thing like in college, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, like my friends could buy it, you know, but right. it wasn't really anything like a a full like a legit. Release. It was just me and, and a guitar in front of a mic. It was mic. an indie, and it was an indie release. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Through Noise Trade. Uh, yeah. We. Re- I mean, released it everywhere, but mainly on Noise Trade was the way that we marketed kind of it. Marketed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you built your list. I think it's an amazing thing, Noise Trade. Oh yeah. Definitely. Is it still doing what it did back in 2013? I don't think so. No. I think they've kind of tapered off. Yeah. Uh, and I hate to say that because they were the thing that kind of broke the uh broke us as a band and being able to go out and do this right yeah, away right um but i think with streaming you it, know it free doesn't matter really anymore right right like mm-hmm. it you know the the it's almost a favor if somebody downs your thing for free it's like almost you, it feels like email is going the way of the the cd has gone interesting right like email well, almost i think seem- email is very important it's just I think that that downloads have gone the way that the CD has gone. Like people don't really, it's they it's transforming it. into the more streaming thing. Not that people don't download. If you're a downloader, you you might continue to download. But I think people are more protective of their email addresses now than they used to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're always getting kind of hit up for their Spam. email address and and all that. And so I think people are just getting more wise to that and yeah. don't are more kind of protective with it so it's harder to get an email address and since everything's free on streaming the incentive to or the the reward of the download for free isn't really as i don't know high value in the right, right. perspective listeners side mind. note on this again uh, i love talking about marketing anyway but um do you do any text do you do any call outs on your shows and have people give you their 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 phone number or text a number. They text their number. Or they text their email address to a number. Mm-hmm. Does that work yeah. for you? Do you do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we've done that. Uh, mm-hmm. t- we used a certain service, but they went under, and so now we're we're actually looking for. I think he, Keith sent me one that we should use, but <laughs> text, yeah, for, Textly maybe, maybe. Yeah. Oh, if you know of one, uh, but we've been yeah saying hey, if you if you want to um, download like a song that we've never released anywhere or whatever, text your email address to this number, and yeah. then we'll get. It's been great yeah. for us. Yeah. So anyway, I was just curious about yeah, that. No, um, so you got you got this kind of break doing these house shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just what you and your wife? Yeah, that's right. And, so it's like me on a guitar. You know, Twenty people in the house. That's right. Yeah. You know, and you just get to, if but you're it's lucky. intimate. It's intimate. Yeah. I l I've been to several house shows and um and I, I really enjoy them. In yeah. some ways there's a lot more honor placed on the the guests. Yeah. Honor on the host yeah. that hosts it. Um, and you really get more intimately connected. It's really a way to build. Relationship. Definitely, I think it's 
for for us at this point, like we did a season of the house show thing, and it was really great. Like when we didn't we didn't have a, a kid or anything, and it was just us two. It was just like way more. Even then, it's it's kind of like you're always on from yeah. the moment you get there. You know, dinner with the family before the show. You play the show. You talk to the people that went to the show. You talk to the host family. Do you sleep after there? the show? You wake up and you're with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so breakfast. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and you make great friends that way, and, and mm-hmm. friends to this day we've we've keep in contact with. But there was a season for that. Yeah, and I think we're not gra- like like we're a big deal. It's not that. It's just that we're in a different place yeah. now with what we can kind of handle having wanting to continue to travel as a family so right now we bring out our three-year-old simon mm-hmm. and um that just changes what you need yeah and and he you know alicia's mom comes with so she's like the tour nanny yeah and she's amazing and and so it's just harder to do the house show thing yeah uh as i don't know with as having as much fun yeah. as you used to from what I understand, you're getting more and more of a following um, in colleges, right? Universities, yes. that kind of setting. Yeah. Um, tell me what it is about those those kind of shows. Um, like, for example, uh, my son goes to Lipscomb. Oh, I great. I think it would probably... Have you ever played Lipscomb? No. Okay, but I think that would probably be a great venue for you. They've got several auditoriums. Oh, cool. You know, and places where you would probably fit perfectly. April 12th. Um, we're looking for a national venue. April 12th. I'm trying. All to right. I'll, I'll promote you. All right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. See if my son will open, hook us up a little bit. All right. Yeah. Um, but tell me what that's like. You know, you, you, you have a, a little more of an intellectual sound, a more thoughtful lyric and music to yeah. you. Um, so do you like connecting with the college audience? Yeah. Um, we like college audiences. Well, it's pros cons. I mean, yeah. if we're going to talk some inside baseball, I guess. Yeah, let's talk um, inside baseball. The pros are that college students are gonna are the most excitable crowd mm-hmm. that we play for, and that's really kind of infectious. And it's th- those are our favorite people to talk to after the shows because they're kind of in a, a moldable, you know, phase of their life where they're like they're like a sponge and they're yeah. taking everything, in, and they're just like even more excited about your music than you are, you know. And <laughs> their it, brains are yeah. still developing, so right. for them, this is like and and really. Um, my days are spent in my home office where I'm just alone all the time <laughs> doing these things that are more monotonous and, uh, and then I get bored or alone and then I call Keith like seven times a day just to keep some sanity in the picture. Um, and, uh, but when I go on the road, it's a, a, a totally different animal and you talking to the people after the shows is really kind of what fuels the going back mm-hmm. to the to the lonely <clears throat> office because it it's kind of a a reminder to yourself uh and just a blessing from the lord like like my favorite comment the other night we were playing in Des Moines this college student probably 20 something year old uh woman was girl was saying um i just need you to know that your music has just helped me love jesus so much more. Hmm. And I just like, what is what better you, than what that? What greater you compliment know? can you have? Truly. I was just, uh, I'll remember that one. And, and, and so stuff like that just really makes it like, okay, this is, this is worthwhile. Yeah. Venture. And, uh, anyway, so that, that's the pros of the college student thing. Mm-hmm. The cons are 
college students are so broke. Mm. So like, <laughs> like they're like <laughs> maybe like buy a sticker on your table <laughs> or think that the sticker's like free and try to you know. And then you're like, no, no, that's, that's it's like the dollars. one. That, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's all good. I mean, it's it's fine. Um, you know, they're great and. <laughs> Are you on Spotify? And and you know they should we should they should listen to us on Spotify. I think that where they're going to listen to it is great. Uh-huh. But um, anyway, that that's kind of the pros and cons yeah. of it all. Yeah, um, yeah. But 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 your music. Let's talk about that. Um, your creativity. Um, I uh, got a chance to listen to your album just a little while ago again. Just kind of refresh myself before I was meeting with you, and um, uh, and then I read reread your bio. Uh, you were profoundly impacted by um, C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. uh, and maybe Tolkien as well. Yeah. I mean, your name comes from yeah one the, of the-, the the last chapter of the Lord of the Rings uh, is called the Gray Havens. It's kind of this. It's not kind of. It is the seaport from which. If you haven't read the Lord of the Rings, spoiler you know, alert. Yeah, put your fingers in your ears. Or whatever. Um, a few of the main characters leave at the end of the show from that port to go to the undying lands. Mm-hmm. So kind of the, the middle earth Tolkien's heaven, I guess. Mm. And, uh, and so our music, well, we did play this one show where we had a different band name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It was like our, it was like the night we were going to, do you know this Keith? Um, we were, we played a coffee shop every week in exchange for a free bag of coffee. And like, you know, we played to our, basically our family, right. you know, would come to support us and maybe some friends. And where was this? In, in Crystal Lake, Illinois, at uh-huh. a coffee shop called Conscious Cup Coffee. Amazing coffee. Shout out. Yeah, shout out. We have our own blend of coffee from that. Gray Haven's yeah, blend? Yeah, like we went in there, they oh. roasted and combined some different, it was really cool. You I should did, sell that on the road. Yeah, we do. Oh, do you? We did. It was a not well executed idea. Is it anyway, on your website? It needs to be. No. Coffee only, needs it's to perishable, be. though, and that's oh. what makes it hard. Yeah. Anyway, I used to brew it before house shows, uh-huh. but what I found is, sorry, tangent, what I found was you don't need to brew the coffee because all you need to do is grind it mm-hmm. and let people smell it. You're hooked. And then it's like, what if it smells good, this good? How good What would it taste? taste like? So leave them wanting right, more. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we sold out every single time we, we played a show with the coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just need to bring it back out. So we played a coffee shop every week. Uh-huh. One week we said, we're going we, we're gonna to have a band name. I'd read this book called The Mission of the Church. And we, it's it was talking about the kingdom of God and what is the kingdom of God. It's the reign of God. It's not necessarily like a... A place. It's necessarily like a place mm-hmm. right now. I mean, there is like heaven and, and it's wherever God's reign is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're called to... Not build the kingdom. We don't build God's reign. Right. Uh, he does that. But we're subjects and heralds of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like we we tell people about it, mm-hmm. and and and, and that way God it. builds His kingdom uh-huh. through. Do you believe we steward it? Yeah, sure. Okay, but we just we're not builders of it. Right. Um, you can't make it ex- exactly any greater than it. Exactly. Can't add anything to God. Right. The Lord does it, mm-hmm. and and so. Um, so I was like, that, we should be subjects and heralds. Like, that should be our band name. Like, <laughs> like there you go. I bought the domain. Like, Did you I, really? Yeah, I bought it. And uh, we went to the show, played the show, and, and said, by the way, tonight, you know, it's the first night. <laughs> like, going to release uh, 
our band name to the world. You know, we're subjects and heralds, and kind of a mild applause, maybe twelve people that are there. Golf, golf clap, and uh, yeah, golf clap. <laughs> and uh, and two problems with that band name happened really quick. One was somebody came up after the show, and I was like, you know, good set. I forget what your band name is. Like, what what is it again? <laughs> so it number one, they didn't remember <laughs> right the band name. Number two, I myself f- couldn't answer because I forgot. <laughs> you what, had already I, forgotten. I had already like I couldn't remember it. Why were you were you the Grey Havens before? No, no. So you didn't have a name yet. No, your very first name was yeah, Subjects yeah, and Heroes. Correct. So, so that's so didn't go I, well. they Two didn't strikes. remember it. I didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. This is not working. So we had a, a deadline for our Kickstarter backers to put out this CD with a name on it, and we said, "Hey, we need a band name. Can anybody help us?" Yeah. And the Grey Havens came back as an option. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a short version. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where the name, I guess, originates. I like that. Oh, thanks. I like that. So, did you grow up? Uh, your parents are are not missionaries, but they. they um, my dad's they? a pastor. A pastor. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, did you you grew up mm-hmm. as a pastor's kid? Yes. Um, I survived. Yeah. You made it okay. I did. Yeah. Uh, it was good for you to have that kind of upbringing. I'm so. Do you have any rough edges that came out of that? Do I have any? Yeah. Um, well, everybody does, but I'm right. just saying, did, did, was it difficult? Were there some difficult moments? I don't recall that Mm-mm. being a, a hard. I liked it. You know, I, I really respect my dad and I respected him all growing up and, and, you know, I I was thankful. Yeah. You know, for, that I I felt like I could ask him hard questions, mm. and uh, he had good answers to mm. questions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just remember feeling like good about it. Yeah. Like, oh, so, and and he's a a good um, preacher that that helps and just was clarifying of of the gospel. Though I wasn't until I was about. 17 that i think the penny dropped mm-hmm. and i felt a need for the gospel yeah it's not that i didn't know what it was i just I didn't really feel like a uh kind of in need of a savior until i was 17 years old yeah and some uh, believing friends um kind of i don't know ministered to me and, and helped me yeah through that yeah so I think everybody has a story like that. That's yeah. a, that's a believer. You know, you get to a, a place where you just feel helpless. Yeah. And um, uh, my my son is seventeen, so I'm just picturing myself. Yeah. As him, you know, picturing you as him, and I can't imagine all the struggles that he's going through that he even shares with me. He yeah. doesn't share them all with me. I know he's having them. Yeah. Because there's times when I wake up at like eleven thirty after. You know, I'm sleeping for a couple of hours and he's up and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, well, I'm just thinking about stuff. And then he won't tell me. Right. But I know he's, I know yeah. he's going through stuff. Yeah. So. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you had that, that yeah. time when you, when Jesus became real. Yeah, definitely. And needed and wanted in your life. Definitely. More um, than just a figure. Yeah. Or your dad's. Yeah. God. And it, a bit too, I mean, I, I, I just remember feeling like. I can't pinpoint a moment. I just remember feeling like just kind of around that time, like once I, I kind of saw myself 
uh, in need of a savior and who Jesus was, I, I had like a season of like kind of an intense joy. I can't really hmm. define it other than that. It really wasn't until college where I kind of started getting mentored or discipled or met other guys who I could see myself being that were kind of really taking this seriously. And so I went to the University of Illinois mm-hmm. in Champaign. And there Is that was a, a big school? Yeah. Yeah. And there was um, a great crew ministry there. Mm-hmm. And very, uh, those four years were the most formative of my life. Mm-hmm just as far as faith goes and growing. And I would like sneak off to the library when I should have been doing homework to like listen to sermons and like take notes and like. This is, yeah. Yeah. It was like weird. Yeah. So that was like a really very sponge kind of greenhouse of growth Mm -hmm. atmosphere environment. So you can relate to these college students because you were one of those people that was like a sponge Wanting to soak in everything you could. Definitely. So, uh, what generated your interest in literature, like especially C.S. Lewis, for example, or Tolkien? And yeah, like tell me when you first got introduced to that, and yeah, what you love about it. I don't remember. I think I read the the Lord of the Rings first in high school because the movies. Yeah, they came out right around. I think I had seen the movies. And wanted to read the book. I'm not sure if what I did first, but I remember reading those because it was kind of you're supposed to. Yeah. But I, I really, my mom's a huge reader. I uh-huh. mean, just super uh, well read. And I read that. I think, though, on the first read, The Chronicles of Narnia has been my, maybe Harry Potter, I don't know, but Chron- Chronicles of Narnia is like done more for me maybe than any other book series. Mm. Um, imaginatively connecting these kind of metaphors and mm-hmm. that he weaves in in symbology and yeah, it's just amazing and it's just so like a serious joy is what you know. It's just like so good. I yeah. I just remember reading it. I was a manager at a beach. A manager uh, at a beach. I was a manager at a beach in Illinois. Yeah, they have beaches in. Well, Illinois? it was like a lake. Okay, there's two beaches, uh-huh. and the it got so bad one summer with like all the geese that like were in the lake. <laughs> so it was just like like bacteria levels were too high. Like every other day, yeah. the beach was closed, uh-huh. and so it just was. But I was a manager, so somebody had to be there, right? To like quote unquote keep watch of things. So uh-huh. like during those times, I would. Either write songs or, or be reading the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> nobody was there. Nobody was there. You just had to tell people, go away. Yeah. There's I remember. No I would, beach day. Yeah. I would just read all day. Mm-hmm. And I, I bet you look forward to the beach I did. being closed. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it was so great. It was a great gig. Uh, it was a lifeguard and a swim instructor the other days, you yeah. know. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I read it there for the first time. I just remember feeling like... I wish there was more of this. Yeah. I wish there was some, and me being kind of a music person growing up in a musical home, I think that just when I found songwriting eventually, mm-hmm. it made me want to do for myself and listeners, really just myself, yeah, via music, what Narnia had done to me via um, like storytelling. Yeah. So do you, do you consider yourself a storyteller? Or what uh, do you, how do you consider how do you consider your songs? Hmm. Like who do you think about when you're writing? Myself. Okay. I think. Do I like this? 
does and I'm a kind of a harsh self uh-huh. critic. Yeah. So the who isn't? Yeah, right. Uh do, is this lame? Really mm-hmm. that's the question. Is like do I does this do anything for me? Mm-hmm. Like and then do my would my non-believing friends um like it, mm-hmm. you know, not would they agree with it, mm-hmm. but would they enjoy appreciate the art, the music, and I had in my mind like very specific non-believing, like Jake, would my friend Jake like this, mm-hmm. you know, who who was not a believer or but was open to like conversation or mm-hmm. like yeah, so that's kind of the litmus test when I'm writing, you know, does it kind of awaken any any wonder? Yeah, um, in me. Any joy? Yeah. Would you consider it overly evangelistic? I don't know about because you talk about would my non-believing friends resonate with this? Is that your your first and foremost intention? Is it for it to be it's for evangelizing? My, no, no, it's it's more edification, mm-hmm. and then evangelization. Like, I think anything that's edifying could be evangelistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I don't. I kind of have both audiences in mind, but really I'm just, I'm trying to do something because writing for me is so hard yeah. that I can't really, I can't really do anything if I'm not first. I have like an audience of one. Yeah. And that's me in the songwriting phase. And hopefully that, that extends out to, to everybody else. Well, it so, seems to. Yeah. Um, so when you're in a writing phase for a new album, mm-hmm. Um, do you, are, are you better? I guess my question is, do you do better when you say, I have a goal to write for this new record? Like for She Waits, your, your latest release. I know that it is about heaven. Yeah. The inspiration yeah. comes from this idea of heaven. Yeah. Um, so when you realize that that was your inspiration, that is that what kicked you into gear to write? Yeah. I think first it was the deadline of having to make a record mm-hmm. that we just kickstarted. <laughs> you know? Do you do a Kickstarter for every record? We have. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I've been, I've kind of, <clears throat> the way that I'm doing it though, I need to change it because it's, it's landed me in some bad situations. The way that I've been doing it is all year round, I'll record like musical ideas into my phone uh-huh. via voice memos. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like my courage cast. Okay. Yeah. Where so uh, as an idea hits in the, whatever, I will open up my phone, sing it into it, maybe develop it and play a little bit. So I capture more music mm-hmm. throughout the year. And then when it comes time to write for a record and I've never done this in a really great way, uh, the, the plan in the past has been to whittle those ideas down to maybe like 50 Mm-hmm. From like 700 or whatever. <laughs> wow. And then you whittle that down, maybe like 30 or 25. Mm-hmm. And then I bring it to Alicia. Mm-hmm. Which of these ideas really does something for you? Yeah. So, because if musically, it, right. Because every idea I feel is always inspiring when you have it. But part of that is like deceptive because you're inspired because you're having an idea. Yeah. Not because the idea is good, right. necessarily. Right. It's just like it's stimulating because it's stimulating. It's, it's you're freeing. creating something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's good. But what really is good is when it's still inspirational, like eight months later. Yeah. When you don't have any remembrance of it, right? And you're listening to it back and going, "Oh man, that's yeah, that's I remember that." Yeah. 
that this yeah. is magic. Like I gotta, so, so as many of those as, so it's diff. So when you, when you get away from the creative inspiration right. and you kind of have a few days or yeah. weeks or months, you go back and you yeah. listen. I think it was like Aretha Franklin when they made respect, mm-hmm. you know, everybody thought in the studio, like this is a hit, mm-hmm. like we're gonna, this is amazing. And I think whoever was the producer, famous producer, I should know his name. He didn't really join the party. He was like, <laughs> let's give it a couple days uh-huh. or a day. Yep. And then we'll know if it's actually any good at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because there's like an uh, an energy that's yeah. there. So whittle it down, get 15 ideas, then I'll start write, write lyrics. And the ones I, I don't have any inspiration for, that gets whittled down to maybe 10 songs, and that's all I have. So the idea is not even a lyric. No. It's just a musical idea that... Yeah moves you yeah interesting oftentimes there'll be like a line in the that i'll think of when Uh i'm when i'm capturing the original idea but then i'll try to like set aside large blocks of time to write and this last record that just didn't work like we went to the studio we had two songs done Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're supposed to make it like an eight to ten song record right right so the the plan became i was we're going to make the tracks by day and the and the lyrics by night in the morning wow we got to end of eight weeks or six weeks and it wasn't even close to done Wow. So the six weeks became a year wow. in the studio. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. You said Kickstarter, you have to do a little bit differently. What do you mean by that? You were you were on a track about Kickstarter there. Oh, I was just saying, like, that's what got me going to... Because mm-hmm. we said, we did the Kickstarter in April. Mm-hmm. For She March, Waits. For She Waits. You knew it was going to be about yeah. heaven. No, not really. No? Okay. Yeah. We're going to do a record. We're raising this much money. It was May, April. And uh, we said, um, we'll have it by Christmas. <laughs> you know, I even wrote a poem about, because it says risks and rewards in the Kickstarter section. Right, right. So I wrote like a silly poem, like, that was just like, um, something that ended it with, whatever the challenges will conquer them all. Down chimneys by Christmas, your CDs will fall. <laughs> you know, and it was just this like... <laughs> That's it, all the time in the world to make like I wasn't it seems worried like it at yeah. the time, yeah, right. So, and I'd made records before, but I, I so, but it ended up being we were ten months late on that uh-huh. on the Christmas promise. Wow! So this is now this was we just put it out, yeah, yeah, just right. put it out. So right. this, you, so you we're coming up on Christmas. We were supposed to do this last Christmas, yeah. So and we just put it out. So. Our, you know, we just made sure every time we gave an update to the Kickstarter backers, like we had a new single for them or something new. Yeah. And they were really great and patient with us. But the process, in other words, that I need to reevaluate going into the next record didn't work. Right. It was just really a hard year mm-hmm. for that. Because there's nothing worse for a creative than having this deadline and this pressure. It's really, I just listened to this talk by Monty Python. You know the the creator of Monty Python, like the main writer. I forget yeah. his name. I you can I could text it to you. I just listened to it. It's a fabulous talk. It's about a half hour long, uh-huh. and he gives a talk on creativity, mm-hmm. and he kind of like paints a picture for why he thinks he was so successful creatively versus his like his counterpart mm-hmm. staff writers, mm-hmm. and one of the ingredients for a healthy creating environment is not feeling a pressure to have anything by the end of the 90 minutes that you're creating. Uh-huh. 
Like, so that you want to be able to enter into what he calls like a state of play Mm -hmm. where you can kind of like cognitively not have the A&R guy over your shoulder or the The pressing dead. Right. Right. Keith Keith was really good about it. But like the, the pressure was with me the whole time. There wasn't like a moment where I was like not thinking about that. Yeah. Or I had to like really trick myself, and those moments were really few and far. So I do think that that's what played into the the delay. Yeah, was a terrible creating environment. It would have got it would have gone yeah. easier for you if right. you had just been able to play. Right. Not only the pressure of getting the record done, but the pressure of just running the business. Yeah. And then going to play the shows, and it, all the while trying to do this, and then schedule studio time to like. So it just became this. You, you seem like you do it all. You seem like you pretty much run, you have your hand in every aspect of your, I do. of your business and your creativity. Yeah. Do you find that hard? Well, that difficult, if or? I was by myself, mm-hmm. I think I'd be dead, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I, but Keith takes a lot of the uh, things that I can't do mm-hmm. um, and helps us expand and, and do things i don't know it's like just like a partner in crime mm-hmm. i feel like if i didn't have that i think i don't think i could function yeah as a person because yeah. it would just be too second guessing myself i do that a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. keith's good about like giving you instant feedback right like let's make a decision mm-hmm. like i think you've said that like six times to me like you made a decision that's it and i do that in the studio mm-hmm. that's how i am in the studio I like, I'm kind of perfectionistic with, can we do that like seven more times just to make sure we got the right <laughs> Has Ben Shive always been your producer? He has been the last two records. Uh-huh. He is, I think, <clears throat> could be biased. I think he's the best producer in Nashville. I think he's one of the most creative yeah. guys that I've ever met. I've, yeah. I've seen him live before. And- he is an ideas machine. Yeah. And he's like a, a sound engineer ninja too, and he like he's just invaluable as yeah. a producer. Like he he plays. He's a fantastic keyboardist. Yeah. Like so, you you just have this amazing studio player with you at all times. Mm-hmm. Do you play keys? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're you're playing right live mm-hmm. the same pretty much the same lines that are being produced. Or are yeah. you playing on the you're playing on the record? I'm too. playing on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but he'll like it, it, sometimes we'll just. He plays all the MIDI stuff or like different instruments or I don't know. He's just amazing yeah, with yeah. his idea. He'll write the string arrangements right there. And yeah. He's just so good. Yeah. So um I'll send this to him, this yeah, interview. Yeah, you should. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um Yeah, the creative process is uh I think one of the biggest takeaways I'm hearing from you is to make sure to always stay in that aspect of play. Yeah. Because that, I think that's true for just about anything. You can, pl- if you stay in that, at, there's, we're all creative. Yeah. A lot of people think they're not creative, but we are all, there's this side of us. Yeah. We all have a right side of our brain and yeah. we, we need to exercise that. It's yeah. part of our growth. Yeah. And it know? was interesting in the, in the talk he was giving, he was saying, look, don't even bother if it's 30 minutes. In order to get into that state, you need about 30 minutes of like being bored. Yeah. Or like, I heard one uh, author just recently saying, "Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down for an hour in the morning, write or don't write, but I'm not gonna do anything else. It's just it's I'm, play playtime, right? So if I just sit there with a the pencil in my mouth and just stare at a blank page, 
That's a win. It's been valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you want to create an atmosphere of boredom and just focus. Right. And like, because what's no going to happen is you're going to get two, three minutes in, and you're going to think of all the things that you should have already, that you need to do. Yeah. You create like, oh, I should send that email to that guy. Mm-hmm. I should call this. I really need to, you know what? Tomorrow we'll sit down here and I'll have everything done and, and we'll be able to create. <laughs> it's like you need a half hour of, Getting that out of the way yeah. in your head until you're just kind of in a state where you you can you Free. have you have that half hour on ramp and then you can kind of create. then you can flow yeah um yeah I want to talk I want to explore that a little bit more um do you get to do that uh, well I haven't experimented with his thing he said ninety minutes is really all he has mm-hmm. in his arsenal every day you know so during the summer before I was going to go into the studio and I was writing I was writing all day. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that wasn't fruitful, but <clears throat> I find that I need lots and lots of time to try all the different possibilities. Mm-hmm. When I'm, this sounds so cliche and lame to like compare myself to this. It's just somebody gave me a picture for it, so I'm going to steal it. You know, either Michelangelo, or whoever the sculptor was, yeah. looking at this. Leonardo at the, da Vinci? Right, or I don't know. Michelangelo. Somebody looks at the marble. Square block. Yep. And and looked at it for like two or three days. Mm-hmm. People are like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm sculpting. You know, I'm... I'm it's part of the process. To sculpt. And then he, when he's describing his process, he'll say, I, they'll say, how did you do that? And I'll say, well, I just took all the parts away that weren't David mm-hmm. for the, the statue of David. Mm-hmm. I just took everything that didn't want to be him. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of how I... In hindsight, approach songwriting. I'll write the music, and speaking more to lyrics here, and melody, but mostly lyrics. When I come at the song with lyrics, it's more like, I'll try everything, Mm -hmm. but I'm really just asking, like, what does this song want to be? Like, it almost has its own, it's like a, it's like one of those scratch uh, rewards things that you can do. like lottery ticket? Yeah. Not, not that, but whatever, you uh-huh. know. Um, like the, in, in middle school, I'm thinking about, you know, where, oh, where yeah. you get those where little... You scratch it, and yeah. then it, it turns into, yeah, exactly. like, from black to color. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like... I love those. Yeah. It's like doing that, mm-hmm. but the lyrics are, like, hidden all within there, and you, you have there. to keep scratching keep and scratching. find... Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like discovering what the song wants to be. They're mm-hmm. there. You just have to, like... I don't know. Find them. I don't know. And I think I think it's important for people that are listening to remember that it's it's like that in life. I mean, I I love to write. For me, it's just I like to blog. I admire people who write blogs, yeah. like verbal, yep. written. Um, I, I admire that, and I think there's a certain sense of um, there's just a certain part of yourself that opens up, and I feel more fulfilled yeah. if I've gotten some good writing time or just processing. Yeah away from all of the madness and uh, yeah. people calling and screaming for your attention yeah. that, that give yourself the gift of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is just really kind of deep thoughts with, uh, with Dave Radford here, but um, uh, let's talk about some of, let's talk about your record. Okay. Uh, sh- your latest album, she waits uh, and maybe the title track. Yeah. And uh, why, 
Yeah. What what is that song about? And I, if you don't mind, I'd love to play a little bit of it yeah. for our audience. And oh, that's great. Um, so we, my wife and I, were at a the 2014 National Desiring God Conference. It was all on Romans eight, and there was a talk uh, John Piper gave. It was called "Groaning Saints, Groaning Creation," and you get to Romans eight, it's like nineteen through twenty one. Said, uh, uh, for the creation waits with eager longing you know, for the revealing of the sons of God. And the uh, Piper, when he gets there, it's about an hour into the talk, (laughs) but it was like the next two minutes were kind of just like so mind bending to me. Like I never really considered. So when talking about those verses, he's saying, he said basically like when my whole life, when I approached those verses, I thought when we got to heaven, we get there you know, with like a redeemed body and everything, but we're there to like, um, obviously marvel at who God is, but he's going to create like this playground for us. And we're going to just be in awe of it. Like this new creation, this new redemption. I remember like being in, in Venezuela with friends, like we'd stare up the, at no, zero light pollution, right? Mm. Look at the stars. It's crazy. Mm. And just remember thinking like, talking with them, like if this is only the, the shadow and the echo, like what is the real thing going to be? Or the mountains or whatever. And and that's the right way to think. But he was saying, my anticipation was we're gonna there's gonna be this redeemed creation and we're gonna sh- jump into that and be like in wonder. When when the verses are saying the opposite. Mm. They're saying because you are a um redeemed son or daughter of the king of the universe, you you are going to shine like the sun and all of the universe is going to crowd around the redeemed children of God and, and say, can I get in on that? You know, can, can I want, they're beholding that mm. it's not the other way around. And that to me was just this, not that we won't share it, and and just a side note here, but really important one. This is kind of like important to, to understand that like Jesus is the diamond of heaven. Like this is a cool facet of it. Mm. This isn't like our hope that we're going to, like creation is going to be like really marveling. That's really cool under the umbrella of we get to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is a cool kind of piece that, we're going to experience when we get there. Mm-hmm. So just the idea of creation's redemption being directly bound and up and tied to the redemption of the sons of God. Mm-hmm. They're waiting and longing for that. And so are we. Mm-hmm. And, and so that idea kind of was exciting to me. Um, and so, so that's what that song is about. And then, and she waits is so creation creation. Yeah. Waits. Correct. Mm. There's, um, cause I thought it was the bride, right? And I think there, I mean, it's not like that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure. But that wasn't what you were That's not what I had in my head. At that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there is other songs on the record that, that like, track two, See You Again, is like about, uh, my inspiration was, like, See You Again is about a husband and wife that are separated by death now and that will one day be re- reunited. And so, so there's a sense in which, like, the the wife of this uh, in this marriage is waiting, 
you know, mm-hmm. so she waits. And then there's a song called Three Birds in Babylon where the, the church is kind of uh, entreating, like, people to toward belief. And there's a sense in that song in which there's like a, a she wait, you know, she mm-hmm. waits there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there's multiple. Yeah, there's multiple instances. The title track, though, is kind of more the Romans. Eight, Romans 8, 19 to 19 21. To 21. Yeah. Have you ever um, made a devotional available? I'm just, I'm writing one right now. As a companion? For Desiring God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you are? Yeah. For the website? Yeah. hmm So. Oh, great. It's like a month late. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Sub- <laughs> you need time to play. I need to su- yeah, I need to submit it. So, um, but it's, it's, some people have been adding it to their Advent playlists, mm. which I thought was interesting. Like, I, I didn't really think about that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's glorious. Yeah. Heaven is glorious, yeah. the idea. Um, okay, so She Waits, title track. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great title. Um, Thanks. And now knowing the background, um, I appreciate that you're kind of sharing some of that yeah. in-depth stuff. But I would think, you know, you take Romans 8 and really break down 19 through 22. Yeah. Uh, right? 222 or 21. Uh, 220. Well, the whole, yeah. Th- 22 is great to read it as well. Okay, so 21, yeah. but 19 through 21 specifically, yeah. yep. just kind of resonate on that <laughs> scripture. Listen to the song. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be a powerful way to yeah, experience definitely. your music. Dressed in chains, now she waits. Looking back upon that day when the dawn first held its gaze upon the sun in the daughter's face But strange now it seems like some dark and distant dream Still she hopes and longs to be once again and finally free Okay, so um, you already kind of teased this, but um, talk about See You Again Yeah, more specifically. Did you have a specific couple in mind? Or uh, I was just thinking of really... In what the, it would be like for you and... Right. You know, you well, when thinking about writing a heaven record, because I, I did kind of set out to do that. I think I was so dry, creatively, didn't really have much in the tank when it came time to write. So heaven for... Ever since I heard this talk, I think by Randy Alcorn, mm-hmm. um, heaven disappeared in my mind as a like bodiless, soulless, just spiritual harps, maybe clouds, maybe kind of future into yeah. like concrete, solid earth, redeemed, made new. We're yeah. gonna be back here one day. Because John Eldridge just had a book. Have you read John Eldridge's no, I, book? No, I have not. I think it's uh, it's about heaven. Okay, as well. And I, I had a hard time getting my hand, uh, head around it. Yeah. Um, he came on the podcast and shared oh, cool. about it, but I still didn't quite, like, it's a hard thing to grasp, yeah. heaven, that it's here now in some ways. Like, he was saying that it, in some ways, it's. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm processing heaven Well, my right view now. of it is, like, heaven exists now. When you die now, you become spirit that goes 
to heaven in the immediate presence of of Jesus. Like uh-huh. you don't you don't There's get a no, red res you're no not bail. resurrected. Right. Yeah, right. Right. You're there, and somehow that's better, Paul says. It'd be mm-hmm. better for me to die. To, to die is gain, because mm-hmm. I, I get to be with Christ. So, heaven now is not material, mm-hmm. as far as the human element of it. But one day, there's a resurrection of the dead, both believing and non-believing. So, like, that's crazy. It is crazy. Like, people will, will just, like, get up. and Out of their graves? Jesus come, yeah, and Jesus will come back, and there'll be a judgment. But what the, if you're the, cremated? I think that there's like a really great podcast on that that I listened to. <laughs> John Piper talked to about. Uh, like my view of it is that's not hard. Yeah. No. For God. Yeah. That's you're just dust, not hard. You, you're dust to dust. Right. I just so. feel like once you've acknowledged somebody can speak the universe mm-hmm. into the tr- the trillions and billions of of galaxies and and like this isn't hard. Right. This idea of reconstructing. So. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You know. All good. So. We rise again, the earth is redeemed and remade, and we come back. And heaven comes down from the sky. It's about as big as Texas is the city. What, it is? I think so. Does it say that in the Bible? Like, yeah, they measure it out. Oh. Like the city, like, like the this whole- This is Revelation. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So like the, the somebody's going to email me and say that's, ter- that's totally wrong. But I, I, No, everyone I, on our- in our podcast that listens is very nice. Okay, cool. They won't challenge so, you. So, so heaven comes down as a city, the whole world is redeemed, and we're like, you and me now, except we're going to shine like the sun and we're going to have all these new capacities for that's joy cool. and we're going to live forever. And somehow that's like, we're always, like Sam, Sam Storms is another pastor, then I'm done. Uh, he has this <laughs> no, talk not. called uh, uh, Joy's Eternal Increase. And he's talking about First Corinthians 14 or 15 with the resurrection body and talking about, I can't unpack it all now, but basically we'll have capacities with a redeemed body way bigger than we do now. And mm. one of those capacities will be for joy. Mm. So imagine yourself being the happiest you've ever been, times that by a thousand, that's your new capacity for joy. That's a great starting place. But he argues that forever that increases and at the same time is always full mm-hmm. so that from one moment to the next, you could never be happier than you are, but 10 million years in the future, you'll look back to your capacity mm. for happiness you have now and say how small wow. that was. So it's a great sermon. It was also one of the most paradigm shifting sermons about heaven. So joy's eternal increase. You should listen to that. I'm going to put links in the okay. show notes. That's good. You, you might have to send me some links, but um, yeah. yeah, this okay. is good. So that was at the time when I went to write, if you can't tell, I'm like into heaven and, you know, kind of passionate about it. And, yeah. and so I just thought, I, I don't have anything in the tank for for like dreaming up a concept album. And right, like, right. it's just like, this is what no, I'm excited about. Yeah. This is this is what I feel like I write eight to 10 songs for. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Yeah. So, so see you again. You have to come at heaven a lot of different times on this record again, with two different facets. Mm-hmm. can't just be the same element of heaven for 10 songs in a row. Right, right. So this instance of it was marriage. Mm-hmm. And what's that going to be like in heaven? And like, we don't know. Like, mm-hmm. But it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be married, but that's somehow going to be better. Yeah. That we're going to be married to, to Christ as a church. And But... but um, so, are, yeah, one of the things I, I wonder, and this is me, my ignorance, because um, I've not studied it or researched it, and but I wonder, like, 
will we be in relationship with one another in, yeah. in heaven? It'll yeah. S- still, but it'll be deeper and yeah, more. exactly. There's continuity. Yeah, like you, you'll have your memories. You'll mm-hmm. have like um, your relationships. I, marriage is gone, done though. Right. There's no it's gone away. marriage. Mm-hmm. But this song is kind of just like for some people that might be a relief. <laughs> maybe, but <laughs> but this this song was kind of like kind of like a P.S. I love you. Yeah. Like the first line is like, if they've got my name on the stone in in the ground, yeah, uh, darling, it's okay, uh, or darling, it's the same as where I'm living now. So like, I'm in heaven. In Revelation two seventeen, it talks about like we get an, we get a uh, a stone with our name on it. It's like mm. a white stone that only we know and only God knows. And so like, they got a name. Uh, they got my name on a stone here too. Mm. Even though if they got one there, oh, yeah. they got one here. So. I'm going to see you again one day. And, yeah. and I'm not sure. That's like basically the chorus. Like, I'm, I don't know what that means. Yeah. But it's going to be but better. It's hope filled. Right. And I know that it's right. going to be better. And, yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to be on the, the golden streets together. Yeah. Like one day. So, so that was the kind of that song. Mm-hmm. I love see. I love that. Well, let's, let's play that now. I'm okay. Gonna, cool. I'm going to cut that in right here. Cool. It's the guy, my name on a stone written down. Darling, it's the same It's where I'm living now Yeah, we always knew that today would come Cause all we had was a spark But one day soon when the sparks all bloom In the chase and back the dark I'm gonna see you again On them gold streets standing next to me I know I'm gonna see you again Darling, won't be long till every trace of trouble And then uh, Storehouse. Let's yeah. talk about that song um, because uh, that's another one that you you uh, you penned. What's that? What's that one about? It's a story of that. Um, one. I th- this was a really rare instance where I think it was like on a walk. It was this riverbed that had uh, dried out next to my friend's house where we were living. I would take walks down this kind of riverbed because like nobody had been there before because this riverbed never dries out and mm. it was cool to like mm-hmm. go walking and exploring. And this chorus to that song uh, hit me all at once and that just never happened. So it was like a fully formed idea. I'll go to the storehouse. I'll go to the storehouse of mercy. I'll go, you know, with a melody. Mm-hmm. And I thought, great, like this is perfect. I have a song idea. This never happens with lyrics. <laughs> this song must be one that's going to happen real quick. Yeah, yeah. And it was the hardest song. Maybe, maybe first or second hardest song. It was like maybe the last lyric I'd written for the record, or one of the last. It just took so long to write this song. Yeah. And uh, it's a song about repentance. And um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really have like a specific experience of repentance in mind when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. It's like when, when Lewis wrote uh, the screw tape letters, mm-hmm. people. Uh, came up to him afterwards and we're like, how did you, it must have taken so much study and research on like demonic mm-hmm. activity in Rome, like to come up with this. He's like, no, really, that's what's sad is that I didn't need it. It was pretty easy to it. find, yeah. It was in myself. Mm-hmm. Like I was able to access that. And so with this song, it's like, I don't need to go research repentance or the feeling of needing yeah. forgiveness or mercy to like, 
write it. But um, yeah, so there was no specific instance. It was just like a general song about repentance and and what that feels like in the moment. And then the cyclical nature of it, it's like repentance is all of life. It's mm. not like a one-time instance. Right. Repent and I'm good. It's like an hourly, sometimes 10-minute-ly, yeah. you know, like <laughs> a need. It's like, man, I... I need this again. Mm-hmm. I need to. I need to return again and yeah. and remember. I've been a fool, went down. Thought I could walk the line, be just in time to turn it back around. But I fall through that old forbidden door. And though I knew the stakes, still made my way. Every time before I'm over my head And lost And know there's no way I'm able to pay back The cost But this I call This I call to mind That I'm not alone And I could come back home many times So I'll go To the storehouse I'll go to the storehouse I'll So I'll go to the storehouse, I'll go to the storehouse of mercy, I'll go. And the storehouse concept is the place where you right. go. Yeah, the storehouse to... is like, God God has so much mercy for you. Yeah. It's like stores of mercy for you. Yeah. It's like, he is the storehouse. I mean, the it's really hard to separate Jesus from the things that you get while being united to Jesus. So I I think it's maybe not helpful to, to say like, like all that, all the stuff that you get by being united to Jesus. Sometimes it's maybe not helpful to separate those out as like different items that you get. It's like you're united to Jesus. Everything Jesus has, you have. Yeah. So you're deserving of, of forgiveness. And that's so hard for us to remember. Yeah. On a minute by minute basis yeah. or hour by hour, it's like if we. It's, I think lately I've been noticing a lot of social media posts about um, that we we are our worst enemy. If if you could hear what you say about yourself mm-hmm. to yourself, you would not say those things to no. you know another person. We're the hardest on ourselves, right? So while I I get p- part of that, I think we go to an extreme as a even as believers just as much because we we tend to just like whip ourselves you know, emotionally or yeah. or uh psychologically yeah. you know so often yeah whereas there's already been someone that's been whipped for whatever it is i've yes. just done or thought or yeah. or whatever yeah. so let's quit doing that yeah right man that's so that's so true it's like god god isn't thinking about thinking the negative things about you that you're thinking yeah. about. It's like, you couldn't be more loved than you. If you're in Jesus, you couldn't be more loved than you are now, and you couldn't be more forgiven than you are now. Yeah. There's no, there's no, no level. Not even, like, like you think of somebody like Paul. Mm-hmm. He's in heaven right now. He's like the apostle. Yeah. He, he, he's, in a, he's in a place where he can't sin. Mm-hmm. You're just as forgiven as he is right now. Like, you're just as a good standing as Paul is right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, in heaven. That's hard to imagine. Yeah, it's crazy. So, that's a really, 
needed daily affirmation. Yeah, reminder. <laughs> a reminder, yeah. 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 Um, just a couple more questions yeah. um, uh, just about your routine. Do you, um, do you have certain do you have a routine in your life? Do you have a, a certain way that you kind of cyclically live your, your days yeah. uh, that, or that ideally you'd like to, you know, that you maybe get to three out of the five out yeah. of the seven days or, or what is your, maybe I don't think just due to the, I have a strong desire for that. Mm-hmm. I know routine is like a hallmark of, of all the discipline pro- productivity kind mm-hmm, of gurus mm-hmm. and all that. And I've read a lot of those books and I've, I desire to be routined. Yeah. I'm in the wrong industry for that though. Yeah. It's like, hard to play. Right. Exactly. It's like we're on the road every other day. It feels like, yeah. like we're touring like 150 days out of the year, hundred yeah. days out of the year. Yeah. When we get back, we're recovering from being on mm-hmm. the road. And then maybe there's some work days in there and those all look different. Like today I'm at a podcast. Whereas, right. so it's really hard to, which is also why it's hard to write music, yeah, and all that. So, so there's great. I there. desire a routine, mm-hmm. like my wife and I watched Downton Abbey like a couple <laughs> times a week. Like that's routine. That's good. <laughs> like that's good. you don't like, miss your Downton Abbey. Yeah, like yeah. Uh-huh. So I, there are some things, but it's really. Um, I have a morning routine. Uh huh. I wake up. Um, usually to my three year old after he wakes up. We'll, run into our room and wake me up uh-huh. uh, with my wife, Alicia. I'll come downstairs. I'll make a pour over cup of coffee. Nice. Cause in my days of making coffee for people, I was like, well, I got to have the, the, the gear. So I got the gear to make a good cup Ooh. of coffee. It's like I'm a coming Preciso over. grinder. Yeah. Really? It's, yeah. It's really legit. So it's Italian. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like one of those burger grinders. Yeah. Make a cup of coffee. Like I have that scale. It's like way, way too expensive for what it does. It's just like us. It's like $15 would have done it. Uh Like anyway. So I have that, but I'm sorry. I gave you this horrible. No, it's coffee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) make a cup of coffee. Now go upstairs. Uh, if I have enough self-control to say no to my three-year-old who's like basically holding onto my legs yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. don't you want to pretend to be lions with me? <laughs> so I go upstairs. I'm uh, two reading plans right now on the U version, version. Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm on the, uh, it's like the journeyman. No, that's no, no, that's not it. I'm going to tell you, I'm on the Psalms. So I read, trying to read through the Psalms every month. Mm-hmm. So there's a Psalms plan that I'll read at night. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, I'll read, um, sorry, my phone, my buzz from, it's like, I want to get it because I like this discipleship journal reading plan and it's on version, And I like it because you you basically get 25 days of reading, you read through the whole Bible in a year, mm-hmm. but it, it schedules you for 25 days mm-hmm. in a month. And then at the end of the month, you get five grace days mm-hmm. for to catch up. Oh, I like that. What's or, it called again? Uh, the discipleship journal reading plan. Okay. And oftentimes, like, I have a treadmill in my office. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just press, like, you just like, press the first one. Oh, and yeah. And then you press the play button. Came down from the oh, good. And it will There's cycle audio. through the whole. Oh, so you can just listen. Right. Oh, that's great. So, for podcast listeners, it's perfect. Right. So you just press play. It mm-hmm. will read you your whole selections for the day. Oh. 
And you, you, yeah, it's like perfect. And then at night, I'll, same thing. Or I'll, mm-hmm. or you can just read it or yeah. whatever. And then those you five fall asleep days, to it. right? right. And those five days, you can devote to like scripture memory, or go deeper into a, a book of the Bible, or yeah. or catch up. Or you know, you've got five days to work exactly. with, so you might want to go deeper on a so subject. That's yeah. my routine in the morning, and then usually I'm I'm a, a slave to the booking shows mm-hmm. for us and and all the work that and you do. Bugging Keith with. All my questions. I love it. About the day. I love it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have one final question for you. Yeah. I was on your Instagram today. Okay. You have three people that you follow. One is Sam. That's my brother. Radford. The second person is Jessica. Yeah. She's my sister. The third person is Amy Grant. Official. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why do you only follow those three people and specifically Amy Grant? <laughs> That's really funny. Um, <laughs> we we just played a show with Amy Grant. It was like a local show through the Rabbit Room, yeah. Which is Andrew Peterson's yeah, thing. Love that. And I I followed her because you can't send a direct message to somebody mm-hmm. unless you follow them. So I was sending her a direct message, okay, saying, "Hey, great to play with you the other night. Uh-huh. You know, really great to meet you." Yeah. And I just didn't. For, I forgot to unfollow her. Okay. So not that I. Not that you plan to unfollow her. I I do plan to unfollow her. I don't. don't. (laughs) But that's very, um, that's very specific. Like you only, like your brother and your sister. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. You're like, I'm not following anybody else. What's the deal with that? Why, why, why is that? Why is that important to you? Or is it? Uh, It is. I think it's intentional. It's just like, uh, Spurgeon has that quote what it's like comparison is the thief of joy yeah like I just like people I don't blame any of my music friends for posting about their careers and what they're doing mm-hmm. I think they should do that mm-hmm. you're responsible as an Instagram user to know what you can and can't handle mm-hmm. if you shouldn't be following this person don't follow that person right and I just felt like there was enough moments that I was following people that was either one time wasting or two stealing my joy because there was a comparison aspect to it. Mm. And these are my friends. Mm-hmm. And I love these. And I see them in that, like, I don't need to follow you on Instagram. Or if I do want to catch up, I'll do the search thing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how Andrew's doing. Or, right. But, but I don't need to, like, it just wasn't good for me yeah. to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So I unfollowed everybody. Very good. I admire that. I like that. Thanks. Um, I think I might do the same. Yeah. Because for me, it's been a constant comparison, yeah. and it really is the thief of joy. Yeah, um, and we all want more joy in our life, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm always worried that they're going to be offended that I unfollowed them, uh, but I've never had any. You know, on Twitter, I'm not following anybody. Like it says, I'm following like ten people, mm-hmm. but they're all on mute. Right? Like I'm not. Right. Even mm-hmm. that's just so I can send them DMs <laughs> about different things. <laughs> right. Right. But because that's a. Like if you're if you communicate better on DM than email, that's a better avenue for me to reach out to you or whatever. But right, right. I'm just I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, it's good. Yeah. I respect that. But I just thought it was funny that Amy Grant. Yeah, Amy Grant. Because I thought you would follow like Andrew Peterson, <laughs> right, for example. Because yeah. is he a friend? Like he's a, have you Definitely. been on the the Christmas tour with him at all? Yes, you guys. Yeah, yeah. He's fan- he's uh, been wonderful mm-hmm. to us as far as a resource friendship. Answering any questions I have, meeting with me, and, and just, I don't know, he's been, he's been really amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. I respect him a, t- a ton. Yeah. 
I do too. Uh, yeah. There was a season where I went to his Christmas show every every year, every year, yeah, for about ten years with mm-hmm. one of my best friends and his wife. And it was a They're doing it right now. Out. I know. You should go if you're listening and this publishes December. Does it publish this month? It's going to probably publish tomorrow. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Go Behold the it. Lamb of God. Go see the show. Need to go see the show. Yeah, it's great. It's all, it's all over the place. You're not touring out this year though, right? No, correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're home before we go out on a uh, crazy tour this spring. Yeah. So. Okay. So, uh, Dave, you want to kind of share all of your socials and then we're already letting people know that Dave's not going to follow you back. Yeah, I'm not going to follow you back. <laughs> Uh, uh, Gray Havens Music, G R A Y Havens, H A V E N S Music, is um, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter. Really, Twitter. We just it's like connected to our Facebook. Uh-huh. Like we don't, um, Facebook. Just search us, the Gray Havens. We're really at, mostly active on tw- uh, Instagram, though. Yeah. yeah, I like Instagram more than too. the other ones. Yeah, I do too. I feel like it's more friendly and. More, then, yeah, not as spammy. Yeah, not as spammy. It gives you a chance to be more creative. Yeah, I dig um, Instagram. So follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. and uh, yep. stay connected to us. That yeah, way. that's great. Or Spotify. Follow us on Spotify. Yep. Our managers Spotify over here playlist. Probably. The Gray Spotify. Um, that helps us a lot. Gray, G R E Y. Isn't that the way Gray is spelled? In the books. In the in the books, G R E Y. Yeah. I think it's like the. The more UK, the more oh, it's European. UK. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just going to go with that. We had a song at the time called Gray Flowers. That's also why we named ourselves the Gray Havens. And we had spelled that already with an A. Okay. So, so we just followed out. suit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Dave, thanks for spending so much time with me. Oh, what's this book Keith is showing oh, here? Uh, Gray Flowers. Oh, it's it's a new book. Yeah, yeah, it's a new book. Uh, children's book we wrote um, and published with Canon Press and D. Wilson and Company. Uh, Forrest. Uh, Dickerson it was the illustrator. He did an amazing job with this book. I was just so uh, blown away. This is with a it. children's book. Yeah. What? Uh, tell me quickly. Let me read the first a... page to yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Let me open the book here. You read it in a gra- in a British accent? No, no I can't. Go ahead. Once there was a color coded town. In that town, they had just one rule: no grays allowed. That's right. No grays ever. You see, the town took special pride in their colors. Yellow was vibrant, purple was royal, and red was bold. Anyone would tell you that. But gray? Gray was nothing to boast about. And so, it was not welcome. So it's about this guy who comes to the town, color-coded town. Gray's is really grace in the story. And uh-huh. you got all these, kind of, the color-code constable and his deputy, and they're kind of <laughs> like the Pharisees, and they're like, no grays. <laughs> and so this guy so anyway it's about you know they, they catch him and what are they gonna do and I don't know oh no grace yeah like G-R-A-Y-S but it's really kind it's of like grace grace yeah oh I like it oh my gosh this is so cool what do you hope the uh, the kids and adults alike kind of take away from this I think it's I, I want kids to be able to understand what grace is mm. what is that <clears throat> it's like unmerited favor it's like, like we love your, you, as your parents, like we're showing you grace all the time and yeah. you can show other people. But this is, this is just a story to kind of cement that idea. Yeah. And, the idea of grace. Yeah, uh, I like it. Very creative. The, Thanks. Uh, so gray flowers. Yeah. Um, also by you, Dave, Dave Radford um, and Forrest Dick, Dickinson is the, uh, the illustrator. Really, really nice. I yeah. like this. Okay, good. 
And where can they find this? On Amazon? Uh, on our website, greyhavensmusic.com. Greyhavensmusic.com. Yeah. Dave, it's Check really it been a pleasure to yeah. have you in. Thanks, man. And it's been uh, great being we here. talked about all kinds of stuff, and yeah. uh, this went longer than I normally do because I just lost track of time. I was just really Sweet. into your story and uh, everything that you're doing. Um, I really love it. Thanks, I'm, man. I'm a fan now, so I'm grateful, Keith, for introducing me to uh, Dave. The and, ghost interview, or in this, uh, it's the quiet. Uh, yeah, I've been unfollowed. He's sulking because he's been unfollowed on Instagram. Poor Keith. He's (laughs) taking it personally. Um, Well, hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate it. I'm going to unfollow you now. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going (laughs) to. I'm going to follow you. I like like what you're doing. Well, thanks so much, uh, Dave. And uh, please give my best to Alicia. Look forward to meeting her sometime soon, too. Will do. Take care.